Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time and it's a very special Stop Hammer Time this week due to a small electrical fire in the decommissioned nuclear bunker that we normally record our podcast in we have now our, our sound man uh, Ollie uh, has rapidly improvised a new recording system using things he's found tin in cans, the room. Tin pieces, cans of string. pieces of string it's improvisation it's, fa- it's, it's fantastic. fantastic and if you can hear us then his work is done it's and a wonder to see him at work to see him Produce building, building this uh, improvised sound studio from things. It's like um, it's like we're Radio Free Europe under some kind of fascist regime uh, in the 1930s and we're still carrying on broadcasting because what we're doing is important and is good work and must be heard, must be heard by the masses and Ollie has helped that happen. Let's have a round of applause for <laughs> Uh, this is excellent. It is also an emergency stop hammer time. It's a, <laughs> now, we've been going for close to a decade, and we've had emergency stop hammer times during times of crises. This feels like about the uh, fifth time we've had to do it in the space of just under a decade. An emergency stop hammer time. We've hit the panic button, and um, here to discuss that rising sense of panic that we have, um, as you know, on Stop Hammer Time, uh, we encourage uh, the best writing that can conceivably exist that has to do with West Ham United. Jim, as, uh, as, a, as an English, dare I say it, professor? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say it. Okay. I'm say it. Jim, as an English, Jim... Jim would be like the devil on my shoulder were I to get shit writers about West Ham on this podcast. So we don't. We simply don't do it. We get the best writers about West Ham United that there are. Joining us uh, this week is an old friend of the podcast, uh, possibly our best friend uh, since we alienated all of our other friends. (laughs) (laughs) He is author of An Irrational Hatred of Luton, West Ham Till I Die and the Legacy of Barry Green. It is, of course, Rob Max. Good evening. 
How are you, Rob? I'm fine, thanks. I'm just watching Ollie peddling away in the yes, corner he's there. Yes, very, very well. This is yeah. really, yeah. if you can hear us, I yeah. cannot describe what an excellent job Ollie is doing. It gives you faith in, he the, does. in the resourcefulness of the human race. That's right. If only there was a little bit of that in the team, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, With you, of course, I've already mentioned him, Jim Grant. Good evening. Hello, Jim. How are you? Uh, well, I've only got one answer to that question. What is How that question? How that, are are, that answer is this. <laughs> This season, we've teamed up with Ladbrokes and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Mm -hmm. Our first is bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another £20 to your account. Mm -hmm. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bet.westhampodcast.com. We'll be tweeting this bet £5, get £20 link, adding it on our Facebook, and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. Well, excellent. The, through Twitter, I think it's at West Ham Podcast, I believe, is, is how you get there. Also joining us this week, it is the author of The H List, uh, rapidly becoming the definitive blog about West Ham United. It is, of course, James Cairns. Hello, Phil. Everything all right with you, James? Uh, yeah, I've been on holiday for two weeks, haven't seen West Ham. Too far, Which improved things greatly. Yet yeah, you yeah. still yeah. managed to post <laughs> a long, angry rant. Yeah. Much to my wife's <laughs> Excellent work. No, I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't see the uh, Newcastle game either. Uh, there also wasn't a live stream, and uh, coverage of the game was was scant in the press and barely mentioned West Ham. Jim, you went to the game. I went to the game. Tell us a yes. bit about it, Jim. <laughs> oh, I, I'll have to, won't I? Mm -hmm. I have to go through. We're just going to nip out. Relive this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, well, uh, obviously, all of us, we've seen plenty of uh, yes. West Ham performances that mm -hmm. have fallen short of what, what we might uh, wish for in Did the past. Did this one fall short? It fell so far <laughs> short. No. It's up there with... It's up there with the worst. It was really it up there with uh, the is. Manchester United game that you and I went um, No, it's far worse than that, in my view. It was far worse than the opening game of the season against yes. Manchester United. Well, I, well, first of all, that, that opening game against Manchester United, we were up against a team that is surely going to challenge for the title yes. this season. Um, you know, quality players, powerful, pacey players. Lukaku, we knew, was always going to score against us. You've got Pogba. Pogba, got Matic. Matic. impressing yeah. on his debut. I mean, they, you know, that's a top quality team. <clears throat> we were... We were missing some key players as yes. well. We were short of, um, of Antonio and Lanzini and co. And, um, you know, actually, for the, for the first part of that game, we sort of were in it, weren't for we? For about five minutes. Uh, no, we were sort of Ten in minutes. it. There, there was, um, when OBN gave the, the ball away and we conceded the first goal, mm -hmm. then, then obviously it went uh, terribly downhill from then. But, you know, they, they, they kind of sort of scored late on. Um, this was... Uh, no, this was just not even a horror show. This was just depressing mm. uh, misery. And uh, from the start, they, 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 was, they looked like they'd never even met each other before. Players, you knew from the start that a midfield three of Noble, um, Fernandes, and, and Rice was never really going to be. Is not going to cut it at Premier League level. Yeah. And the, you know the point is that Newcastle should have been opposition that we would. You know we we could have been looking forward to playing. Mm. They mm. were in the crisis of confidence themselves and you know um it was it was it was a dismal display it could easily have been more than, than mm, three yeah. um and i actually felt i mean I, uh, to, when it was three nil just i just i was thinking if they get one more as they look absolutely look like they're mm. going to score at, at every attack by then 
I think he might. I think they might pull the trigger. I think if it had been four nil, five nil, I think it's, <clears> it's, it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? You know. Um, Scorelines. It's, it's like kind of you know Wenger in the four 0 at, at, at Anfield. Yeah. You know, if that had been two 0 at Anfield, the kind of you know mm. that's bad. But mm-hmm. it, there's something. I just four is a typical one. Yeah, it? yeah I think it would have been typical. It's quite. I, I almost had a little inner voice uh, to say to me, "Oh, he's one goal away mm. from the sack here." Yes, um, and there was. Honestly, there was utter resignation, and I, you know you're miles away from the game. Obviously, yeah, most yeah. people who've been to St James's will know they've got this ridiculous climb up. Um, yeah, the, the, the support was in good voice for a little while, but yeah, there was real resignation. You know, once we went well one nil down, really, to be honest, it was pretty clear. Did was. the substitutions make any difference? Um, it didn't have a chance to really. Well, yeah. Anzini came on at, <clears throat> at half time. Yeah. It was obviously he needed to kind of make changes, um, uh, and then when he brought the other two on. That was the moment when Lanzini, almost the exact moment, Lanzini gave the ball away, and we, right. we went two 0 down, and it was game over. So they never really had a chance to sort of, you know, build up any kind of momentum with them. Um, you, you know, obviously we, we we like the fact that that Rice seems to be a promising young player and, and so on. But it, I I really felt that, you know, Obiang should have started the game. I, yes, I, I mean, yeah. very strangely, you know, there there was a. There was a conversation on Facebook uh, that, that I sort of joined in on that sort of said it feels like Slav, oddly, rather than have a sort of strong words with a player and put a rocket up their ass and send them back out next week, would almost rather drop them like he did with Antonio. Um, and- he, was the, he was the bright spot, first half. Right. Antonio, every, every, every good thing that happened came through. Came right, through right. Um, I'd say. But, you know, Obiang had a bad game in that first game of the season. But, you, but you've seen enough of him to go, he's a good player. And, uh, you know, he'll just be... just from a pretty serious injury. Yeah, well. and he'll yeah. be, he'll be it, you know, it, pissed off that he played badly. But to, to sort of drop him... And I thought, thought the same with Adrian last season as well. Was, yeah. that, was, was that, you know, he had a bad... In front of a terrible defence, Adrian you know, made that clangour against Stoke and was sort of dropped, yeah. you know. You know, we, we, we were slow, we were slow of, of, of body and slow of thought. It was, it was uh, disjointed. Time and time and time again, the ball ended up being passed back to... To heart, to heart, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was even a moment where we, we won the ball and looked like we had a promising counter-attack mm-hmm. with players over... It still ended... That, that whole move ended with a back pass. Yeah, to, to yeah. It's just, you know, your heart sank. Yeah. Um... Uh, and what what I know what was noticeable about him is uh, he's not very good with the ball at his feet. Is Hard. He? No, he Who knew? really, really, <laughs> really, really isn't. I mean, you know. So a pass back to him is always a pass that will lead to mm, very strange possession being given away. Um, James, in your blog, you you sort of mentioned that you thought this game might be a kind of a tipping point type game, or it feels like that to you, having watched it and in retrospect, well, having not watched it but heard about it and yes. the score in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Jim feels the same way, but purely in the echo chamber of social media, a lot of people have been very positive about Billich and have been prepared to, um, you know, give him time because of the injuries and because of the new stadium and because. Venus is in juxtaposition with Mars or whatever it might be have given him time a lot of those people seem to have flipped Mm, mm. and you you know you've got in the immediate aftermath of of a game Saturday night's not a good time to assess that but people are still saying it on Tuesday morning or whatever Mm, it is mm. that feels a bit more meaningful I think that the Huddersfield atmosphere will be interesting if we go 1-0 down after 15 Mm. minutes which feels Mm. quite 
possible. possible it would be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, it, it was... It was dismal because of the situation, the, uh, the opposition. We had players coming back. You know, yeah. he, he, Man United. Lots of people are going to get beat, mm. beat yeah. well by Man United this season. Um, a Southampton, uh, you know, committed Harry Kiri, and there was some dodgy refereeing, but there was some fight, and we mm. got, you know, we, we got back into the game. So there were some positives to take out of it. This, they're just. It was wretched. But I did feel. I mean, I did feel that that this this. I was very shocked at the Manchester United game. You know, it's the first game of a new season and it felt, you know, as I sort of kind of joked on this last podcast, it felt like we just weren't ready to start the football yeah. season. You know, the the sort of the the kind of the rust in certain of the players, Ogbonna, Obiang, um, were two of the Manchester United game. Seemed like you know something that's that really is in the manager's remit is to get your team ready for the first game of the season. It felt like they weren't ready. There wasn't a game plan at Manchester United. Didn't feel like there was a game plan. Hernandez on his own up front is Allardyce tactics. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, the smallest man on the pitch having to control the ball on the top of his head uh, from a long hoof. From yeah, do you remember those game. games where where we had Maiga playing on his own up yeah, front? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the ball like was Alice, constantly yeah. being hoofed up to. Yeah, that's what it was like. Yes, yes, that's what it was like. And, and, and Andy yeah. literally didn't win ahead header all, all all afternoon. Well, and, and he didn't and, get. Know, the, I don't think he got the ball to feet once or into a channel once. No, though. absolutely. And, we just and I mean, weren't in the game. Yeah, and and that feels like it's sort of. That's got to, in some way, you know, lie at the feet of, of Bilic as, as his responsibility. It's like, that's, you know, you've got these guys, and whether you didn't get your purchases that you wanted in the summer, the guys you do have, get them ready for the beginning of the new football season. Imagine United, I mean, like you say, Jim, obviously they, they were really good, and I think they, they will be championship contenders. But, um, you know, game three is the same malaise as game one. And uh, it's, it's rather worrying. Um, you know, James, you sort of made the point that the, the, over the summer, you know, he's had hip surgery. He's very, you know, he's got a new family and stuff. He's very busy. I, 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 I'm starting to wonder about Bilic now. I wonder whether... There's rumours, aren't there, about lack of intensity in training. As you said, Jim, Bilic himself alluded to a lack of intensity in training as if it's a sort of mysterious change in the weather. And you go, <laughs> but that's your job. It suddenly started no. raining. It's like, it's your, um, your job is to, that's where you come in. It's, yeah, it feels, it's a malaise. There's definitely something <clears throat> wrong. I mean, you know, um, bad form doesn't hit that, that, that number of individual players you know, just just no. just like a, a, a once. You know, um, where is Aaron Cresswell? I mean, I, I, he's a shadow of the player mm-hmm. he was. We even saw um, on uh, you know. if you watched the Cheltenham game um, midweek last week, they had a number of chances to, you know, that they made our defence look very ordinary at times. Yeah, and, and were it for some better finishing, we might have ended up with some egg on our faces that night as well. Yeah, and and. Part of you thinks, you know, they, they come away from that and say, oh, we won 2-0 and, and we've got some confidence going into the game on Saturday. Mm. But why have you got confidence after winning 2-0 at a League 2 side yeah. who then on Saturday went on to lose 4-3 at home to Exeter? <laughs> yeah. You know, mm. um, there's obviously something deeply wrong there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's got... I hate to say it because, you know, I think... And I think this is the difference between Billich and Allardyce and someone pointed it out in the Facebook group earlier... 
the difference between Billich and Allardyce is that everyone wants Billich to succeed. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. You know, when, when Allardyce was cupping his ear and whatever, it was, mm-hmm. uh, who gives two? Yeah, yeah. You know? um, but everyone likes Billich because of his history, because of his, because of his attitude or his perceived attitude. Mm. But I think a lot of people are losing patience. Well, it does feel that, you know, um, you know, I'm... I'm I've used this sort of uh, analogy before, but like the, you know, there's this sitcom that the, uh, I had that I wrote on the BBC, and this actress was sacked from it, and it was really, really bad, and because she was a friend of mine and stuff. But I was like, tell her what she's doing wrong and keep her. <laughs> she's the best positioned person to play that part. Don't just kind of try bashing the actress on the side and go, oh no, I can't get it working. Let's get a new one. And uh, Allardyce, you know, I. I People were sort of saying, who do you think should manage West Ham? And I was like, Allardyce after a coaching course would be the person to, you know. But what the problem the was with him, it was that he, ge- as well. he genuinely was, was publicly saying, I know everything there is to know about football. I will not change. And I was thinking, well, if you did change, you know, you could be a really, really good manager, you know. Uh, um Billich has occasionally shown the appetite to change. He's sometimes very good at, inside of games at changing things around, changing to 4-4-2 against Palace last season. Mm. And I think, mm. was it, it might have been Sunderland or West Brom going the other way and changing from 4-4-2 to 4-5-3 was the, was the big change in the game. You thought, wow, that's good. That's, you know, really proactive um, changing on a game-by-game basis because something didn't work in the last game. But something is occasionally missing in that we do come out and just not perform. Yeah. You know, something about his ability to motivate his players or... I, th- I think there's a question, and not to ruin this for, for both of your uh, listeners who've read my, uh, my <laughs> column this week, but I, I, I raised the point of, you know, is Bilic uh, a, a symptom or a cause? Mm. And not to derail this with a 45-minute rant about David Sullivan, but I, I do think there are broader problems at the club. Mm, that actually mm. just getting rid of Billich, even though I would get rid of Billich at this point. But I think you could replace him with you know, Guardiola and I think you would still struggle because yeah. I think there are certain things going on at the club which just really aren't right. And the chairman um, you know, living out a fantasy of being a director of football when he's not actually able to do it is one. Um, involving his teenage son in all of that stuff, to me, would, would be another um, mm. sort of symptom of that malaise. And I think until... We look at the people, well, I say we in the broadest sense, until somebody looks at the people who are making the decisions, I have a concern that those decisions will continue to be ill thought out. And, yeah. you know, our transfer policy, with the exception of one very good window in fifteen sixteen, has been by and large abysmal for quite a long time under Sullivan. And there's no real sense that that's going to change anytime soon because that's his thing that he likes doing. And oh, it the would season that bought Kiyati, Sacco and Cresswell was good, though. I mean, there have been, yeah, yeah, yes, it that was. was a good. That coincided with Tony Henry arriving from, right. from Everton and, and taking more of a, a, a look at it. Um, but alongside that, there were also people like Maiga, like Valencia, you know, a number mm. of Van Rat, people like that. You know, all of these players, even if they didn't cost very much in fees, uh, pretty expensive in wages, someone like Zabaleta, Faguli. Mm. The reason they couldn't get rid of Faguli was because they owed him something like three million in, in a sign-on bonus, which oh, really? had been spread over his, uh, over his contract. So there's a lot of those sorts of deals that go on. Yeah. They bubble away under the surface. Nobody ever really knows about them, but they have quite a big impact on 
the club at large. And mm. I've, I, you know, I, as I say, I'm not a, uh, in favour of Billich being retained, but I've got some sympathy for him working within that structure, yeah. which just seems to lurch from. Do you think that, to that affects the the way the players interact with each other if they're all on different contracts and they're all earning different, you know, largely on on such different contracts I know it would it would affect the way I work at, at work if I knew yeah. that the bloke sitting next to me was on something very different in terms of signing on fees or or, or whatever I don't know how much of an effect that might have it's hard to know because it must like be the fo- same at every club sure yes yeah, I mean you feel like footballers would be more used to, to that sort of environment mm. than an ordinary for want of a better mm. word um, professional um but I do wonder about, um, you know, when you turn up and you, you, you signed and on the first day they give you a copy of Rise of the Craze and ask you to advertise. <laughs> I'm not sure that makes you think you're coming to the world's most professionally run club. Yeah, and that's yeah. sort of the problem I have on, on a wider level with, uh, with the way it's being run at the moment. Yeah, because the manager thing is always is, you know, well, who's going to come in straight away mm. in the circumstances we find ourselves in, who will be better? Let's um, talk about that yeah. uh, after this very short message. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrokes. Welcome back. Before the break, we were uh, we, we were talking about Slavon Bilic. I think we're, <coughs> uh, we're probably agreed that we may now, uh, certainly in my case, reluctantly feel that we are a little bit worried about him. I, I, I felt that, uh, you know, last season I was worried when he did that punditry for the World Cup and uh, also that certain of his, um, you know, fixed ideas affected that transfer window that, that, that we didn't need Tompkins. He was, you know, a surplus requirement probably because he felt that Nordvai and Kiati could come in if, if we went to three at the back or something and that Antonio was going to be a right back. Um, Antonio being a right back, that undermined the sort of defence. Uh, not, you know, um, David Gold's interview that, that you talked about, uh, James, sort of suggests that Bilic does come with a list of needs and possibly identified targets. So, as I've said many times, sort of about to start last season with just one left-back until, in a way, almost fortuitously, in that case, Cresswell was injured because it made them buy another one uh, because they were just going to go into a campaign with one left-back, a professional football club. Insane. And I did slightly feel that. that was Billich must surely be culpable in, to a degree for that, sort of somehow failing to worry about the fact that your team only has one left back. Um, and similarly, the lack of what seems to be readiness to begin this new campaign is very worrying. I mean, you know, they knew some time in the summer that those guys were going to be out. Lanzini uh, would not start the season. So, And presumably he's going off on international duty Somewhere this this break and Lanzini, he, yeah, he's been pulled yeah, out he's because pulled out. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. pulled yeah. out. Okay, yeah, okay. But they a but, lot of the rest of them yeah. have been, and that presumably is different. And you look at the next three fixtures: you've got Huddersfield at home, West Brom away, and Tottenham at home. Yeah, yeah, and uh, hmm. yes, uh, very worrying. Um, Yes, but the, the uh, you know, and also we're now in a position of a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy because the, the this Carvalho uh, transfer mm. now seems like it could conceivably be in jeopardy because the player is now worried about how poorly the team <laughs> he's supposed to be joining is playing and might that would you know might affect his decision if another club comes in with a similar amount of money and they're not 
nailed to the bottom of the table that they're that they're in in their whatever country they are in you know he'll go to the club that's not worrying doesn't isn't being haunted by relegation three games in well plus it's just pretty difficult if um if a manager is genuinely picking the transfer targets and i'm a bit dubious about that but if he is um, and then we lose to Huddersfield and he gets fired. Mm-hmm. Then you're left with this weird situation where, who, you know, I mean, Jim, you were just about to talk about uh, who might replace Billich. There's not an, an immediately obvious mm. candidate no. that, that Nitez gets, um, uh, sort of his name gets mentioned. But he might turn up and say, well, I don't think you needed a defensive midfielder because I think Pedro Obiang is perfectly capable of that. Mm-hmm. I would have spent the 40 million on, you know, a, a mobile mm-hmm. centre back or a, a centre forward or whatever. Um, yeah. Which sort of then again leads to this sort of disjointed feeling of you know you, do they really want to give a manager money if they're genuinely going to fire him in yeah two yeah. weeks time that's a nightmare scenario yeah I mean there are now uh, with you know like uh, some of the, um, the the guy at Southampton last season the guy uh, um, there this season there are now sort of European managers turning up that I don't know anything about because I've never really sort of heard them. There is a new sort of breed of managers out there. I'm not sure I entirely trust that Sullivan and Gold are apprised <laughs> of who those people are and, mm. uh, you know, that we're not just going to get um, McLeish. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, there are sort of new guys coming up, but I, I certainly don't know who they are and obviously the kind of the slight sort of knee-jerk reaction that you see on some social media names 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 is you know that's probably why Benitez is kind of invoked quite a lot at the moment but um, yeah I mean I, I don't it's a difficult thing I just don't know who some of these guys are now um, uh, the guy that didn't speak any English at Watford you know was sort of Alec Baldwin <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um but do you think we might have got to the point where uh, it might not be true, but a lot of fans seem to be suggesting that anyone would be better than Billich at this point? Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the away following has been very loyal mm. up till now, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I sensed, and there was still quite a lot of super slav chance, certainly in the first half at, uh, at Newcastle. But I think there was a real sense of resignation at the end. Mm. There, was the, mm. there was a real, I think, a bit of a worm turned yes. on that one. Well, it, it, the, the second half, that yeah. second half performance, there was no grit, yeah. no fight, no no clue, really. And you have to, yeah, you, you can look at players individually making mistakes, there have been those, and so on and so forth. But the kind of, the, you know, the, the overall tenor of the way the team plays both tactically and in terms of its commitment and intensity yeah. is that you know, a manager has got to take responsibility for that yeah. and Billich does I mean he's, he's a man of great integrity isn't he I mean he's prepared yeah. to you know accept uh, the things what, what is one what is, one is beginning to doubt his ability to to put it right that's mm. that's what's starting to come into doubt I think that, you know we've had some wobbles under him in, this, in his second season but there was a sense that you know occasionally it would, it would come, we'd have that yeah. Chelsea League Cup game mm. he'd switch to a back three and, 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 yeah. and things would pick mm. up you know we had that incredibly intense committed performance from pretty much the reserves plus Lanzini against Spurs at home mm. so it's not that the team that was out on the pitch and so isn't capable of competing in a, in a Premier League game against against a uh, you know let's face it a pretty bang average Newcastle side. Yeah. Well, your stats in your um, in your blog about the, the the results in 2017 
what was it? Six wins or five wins out of twenty-two? Yeah, and yeah. you're averaging basically a point a game, which yeah. if you extrapolate over a season, that's going to get you relegated. Yeah, not it, it is the one thing I would say on on, on your point, Jimmy. It, I find it perplexing. I agree with everything you say, but the the, the fight back at Southampton was one to warm the heart mm. like, so actually, I was looking at that thinking he can't have lost the dressing room because no. w- when do West Ham teams with 10 men ever do anything other than capitulate and actually came so back is it, is it about confidence you know? is, it a, is it a collective lack of, of confidence when he first came to the club it was like a breath I know it now mm. in those early days he had um, he had Payet he had, he had Sacco fit mm. to start with um, we came in those, those away games you know when, when Lanzini Pokes the ball in at Anfield. There's six West Ham shirts in that in that mm. penalty area. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we I don't think we ever got more than two in in the in the, in the entire game in, the, in against Newcastle. There's a real sense that he would have an up and atom approach, didn't he? There was no fear. He didn't have any fear. The team didn't no. suddenly yes. play with yeah, any yeah, any great. fear. Yeah. We had one or two kind of sharp, decent players. Pyatt obviously brings when he's on song confidence to a team because you can score a goal out of nothing and he can make something out of nothing mm. but uh, that's that lack of, of of confidence that sort of sense of belief it was like a deflated balloon the team yeah like they really a lot more pace in that team would be one thing I'd say we, you, yeah. It, yeah we yeah. had Moses as well didn't we Victor yeah. Moses Ali um, Song Valencia uh, Jenkinson for the early yes. part of the season Jenkinson yeah. you know yeah. it was quick I think I think this the, the team that is playing at the moment is the slowest West Ham team I've it ever seen it is very slow and it actually is. didn't he explicitly say at the beginning mm. of the, the transfer window that one thing he wanted to get into the team was pace yeah uh, the fastest on bottom of all games when he ran off down the tunnel at the end to be honest yeah um, and what's happened where's he gone because he was pretty good when he came into the team well I mean he's you know he we've now had some quite uh, even our really good season two seasons ago we had those terrible Bournemouth and Leicester games last year we got off to a terrible start of the season this is now a pattern even in our good season we had those you know, uncharacteristically atrocious performances against Bournemouth and Leicester, but they were bad in the same way that all three seasons' bad performances were bad. Um, certain players just mysteriously disappeared. Obono was bad in those. Um, you know, forgive possibly you've forgiven because he's just come to the club from a from a completely different. But in both know. those games, you could see there were there was. There was light at the end of the tunnel. It was—I mm-hmm. I think there were three. The three of Bournemouth's goals in that game were individual errors. That, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, rush of blood to the head. Oh, and Leicester uh, as well, and, I mean. and the Leicester game as well. Yeah, and but we showed enough creativity. We were that, how far away from getting an equaliser against Leicester? Leicester, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there was you know I didn't go away from either of those no. games thinking oh you know, yeah we no. bossed the second yeah. half of that game against Leicester, yeah. but but there were you know. Um, Players that just hadn't shaken the rust off, and and uh, mm. and I don't know what you do, tell them to try harder or something. But but it but you know, um, I think you might have to have a focus on defending at yeah. some point. I think you, you know, even if you just take a, an Allardyce style nil nil, because we cannot defend. You know, we've we've let in ten goals in three games against you know Newcastle and Southampton have, can't score against anybody else mm-hmm. uh, that's a worry isn't it three that's against a real us. worry yeah. and you saw you know Southampton had gone what six and a half games yeah. without scoring yeah. and then didn't score again at the weekend didn't score in the cup in midweek yes mm-hmm. yeah. what does that tell you I mean last season we we um, we stopped uh, that malaise by 
putting Obiang in front of the back four. Um, and Collins went out and old Bonner came in. Uh, that helped. And then we went to the three, didn't we? We went to the three after that. Um, a slightly misfiring Kuyati suddenly looked really good sort mm. of as a central defender and then got moved to midfield uh, later on. I, I had half expected him to, to pursue the three at the back thing. I mm. had half imagined Zabaleta being one, you know, being a, the right side of a, of a back, mm. a back mm. three, where he mm. certainly would be... His lack of pace is, is alarming. Mm. Um, I mean, they just were... Go run, people run past, past him at yeah, will, yeah. don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame because he's obviously he's got brings a lot of experience and he's decent on the ball, but you know it is a worry. But the um, I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast or we said it in the pub earlier. I mean, the, the, you know, the worrying thing about those two games is that is that is that we, you know, under Allardyce, I used to feel that he he sometimes sent us out and we did the minimum. That was required to say mm. that we had participated in the game, but in these two games, we didn't. We didn't defend and we didn't attack. <laughs> we didn't concede a lot of goals because we were trying to attack the other yeah. team's goal. We had no idea how to attack the other team's goal, and we couldn't defend. We arguably in these two, the Manu and um, Newcastle, barely took part in the game. And when I was looking around for you know, some kind of indication of what the Newcastle game was like because there wasn't a kind of illegal stream for me to get. The match reports almost didn't mention us. <laughs> they mentioned Newcastle's turnaround because there was nothing to say about our performance. No. We were almost, well, you know, Maybe a couple of shots. There was, Cresswell had a long-range effort that the, the goalkeeper parried and, and Hernandez almost mm. got in on. Mm. I think that was our only... And Cresswell had a shot that went over... Mm. In the first half, it was, was, was our only real chance yeah. in the entire game. I mean, the 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 Manu. I know Manu took their uh, foot off the gas a bit, but we did look like we had a bit more attacking intent when Sacco came on and we changed the shape a bit and tried to sort of attack them. And it's like at the moment we've got to do something in one of these games. We can't play like uh, the Newcastle game and the Manchester United game. And I would I would argue that trying to just get someone who's going to get closer to if you can't get IU. Or you know, on Outovich or Fernandez to get closer to Hernandez by telling them to do it and then expecting them to do it. Maybe you've got to change the formation so that someone is formally closer to him, and that might be four four two or something. Well, I think you've alluded to it. I mean, I don't understand how we're attempting to use Hernandez. He no. is a penalty box striker. So even if he was getting the ball into feet, I'm not sure I think that's his, his strength. Mm. No. So he's, he's a player who plays on the shoulder of another striker or you have very mobile forwards alongside him who can get up yeah. next to him. Yeah. They can't do that because the midfield three, as you said, Jim, can't get on the ball. No. They can't do anything. They've got no pace or in Fernandez's case, they haven't really got the ability to pick a pass or carry the ball. No. So because their midfield is so weak, we can't get forward and support Hernandez, who then becomes isolated, and yeah. it, we, we, as you know, I think it's yeah, said, we are never going to score. And I think situation. the one thing you could say in in, <clears throat> in sort of not in defensive abilities really, but but as a kind of mitigating factor, is that I think we would all agree probably now our current um, front three, as as far as the, the, the midfield is concerned, that it should be Obiang. Kiarty and Lanzini. Yes. And we, you know, yeah. I think I'd be interested in judging him once we start a game with those three in, mm. mid- in midfield. I mean, obviously, I don't see it doesn't look as though we are going to sign this Carvalho or, mm. or no. equivalent mm. holding midfielders. Obviously, that is the area where people 
you know, we've given given the ball away and conceded goals, but we've also given given goals away that where people just kind of walk through a static defence. Yeah. You know, just a nicely timed pass, yeah. and and yeah. we've been undone. There was Southampton did it, and um, the, the third Newcastle goal was, a, mm. was yeah. exactly like that. So. Plus also a midfield that kind of occupies the other team. I mean, part of our kind of uh, yeah. leakiness is that there is not only a, a lack of ability of our midfielders to perfect, to protect our defence, it's the fact that they're not doing stuff that keeps the other team busy. We're not I, pressing, I we're not, pressing. No. We're, we're not, we're, we're not intense without the ball. When we have the ball, it's ponderous, everyone takes an extra touch. Um, people who are always receiving the ball under pressure you know it's all the things that a team that lacks mm-hmm. that belief that kind of sense that it's going to do anything in a game it's all those things yeah mm-hmm. at Manchester United uh, uh, you know what I, I found very frustrating is that the, our, our midfield the three that were Fernandes Obiang and Noble were all doing exactly the same job and they didn't really know what that job was at the same time, also, whenever, like, you know, Phil Jones or, or you know, a defender or even sort of Matic a little further forward pick the ball up, no one closed him down. S- several times I saw Fernandez when, when someone like Phil Jones got the ball, a backpedal to take up a position in the centre circle that looked like he's trying to get back to his, you know, position on the graphic before the game. You know, that's where I need to... It's like, no, close the guy down. Close the guy down. What harm could it possibly do if you run forward, try and close him down, there's still nine other blokes behind you who, you know, stand where you were standing. It was so sort of, I'm going to do what I've been told to do uh, rather than, you know, try and make something happen in the game. Very worrying. Very worrying. I wonder uh, if sort of you know changes. Uh, I think he's got to make sort of physical changes to the lineup of the team because that sort of four-five-one long balls to uh, you know to Hernandez is just insane. It's just not working. I think Jim's right. I think the midfield will definitely change. Mm. I suppose you know Arnautovic will be back for the what the one after Huddersfield, right? So yeah, you, yeah, they've, they've obviously put a lot of eggs in that basket mm-hmm. so he will be playing um, you would think Antonio would be the other uh, guy on the, on the right and yeah I think you, yeah, if you're going to stick with Bilic I suppose you have to the, the, the comfort you take is that that team has yet to play together Yeah. Um, the, perhaps the worry is that we don't seem to have any idea how they would play no no uh, in any case yeah, the lack of formation for a kind of weakened team, like 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 we said, he you know he knew about the Lanzini injury. It's not like it sort of Lanzini got injured in the warm up like the way Winston Reid did the yeah. other week, you know, uh, and didn't seem to have an idea. You know, it was kind of going, all oh, right, I'm just going to send the same bunch of guys out, but it'll be Fernandez instead of Lanzini because he'll be an able replacement, and it will all be fine. And it really wasn't. Yes. So <laughs> I feel a lot better now. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing we were going to talk about was that uh, um, it's possibly a little, I don't know if it's the one before the current H list, but um, you threw in one not about a game; it was about Ian Bishop and uh, Jim and myself. Bishop was one of our f- yeah. favourite players. Yeah, we loved him. Yeah, and uh, Rob, we're all united in this because you uh, you were in contact with Bishop a couple of years yeah, ago. We, yeah, we we um, you gave him my his number, which is still in my we phone. We spoke about Let's the bring possibility. Him now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring him now. <laughs> we spoke about the possibility of doing a doing an autobiography, mm. me ghostwriting it, but uh, it didn't quite never never came to pass. But um, 
yeah, he's a lovely fella and what a great player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we um, uh, we were saying earlier that he, he slightly... Um, I think I remember this a little better than you, Jim, but, I, but, but towards the end, because Williamson was starting to come into the team and possibly Lampard Jr., um, the fans got a tiny bit on his back because he would come, you know, he'd come on as a late substitute and not really do all that much of stuff. But, you know, that he was basically, you know, labouring under having a bit of a tail to his career and tailing off a bit in the way we sense Mark Noble might be yeah. doing at this very moment. And, you know, Nolan in his very compressed West Ham career did. <laughs> like three seasons with us and they were like, you know... Good, not so good, not very good. Uh, it's yeah. Extraordinary, um, but you know, in his pomp, Bishop was a kind of very unique player. I thought, you know, um, Liverpool's Jan Mulby was a kind of similar. Quite often, they, they, you know, they barely move outside of the centre central circle. But he always reminded me of a, a top quality squash player who dominates the centre of the court. Yeah, you don't have to run very much yeah. playing squash if you're no. good. If you if you dominate the middle of the you know, yeah. pitch or the court or whatever and you, you just make everyone else run around yeah he had a sense where runners were he was good at um, picking the ball up with his back to play mm. turning around head up one pass you know and he did a lot of that pulling the strings you know um, the YouTube uh, compilation that you put together uh, Rob that you linked to uh, James on, on, the, on the blog he's you know because it's goals it looks like he runs into <laughs> <laughs> looks like he runs quite a lot, but he really was not a big fan of running. 14 goals in over 200 appearances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. They're, they're picked. But, they but they're good ones. Good, good good long yeah. Rangers, yeah. The long ranges are excellent, aren't they? He, he, he was a top, top quality passer of the football. Yeah. He really, yeah. really was. There was a game, I don't remember that game we lost, uh, we lost to Man United. I think it might have been when Cantona scored from a kind of narrow angle. And we lost one nil, but we absolutely battered them. Second, I don't remember that. And we nearly scored an equal. Improbably, Ian Dowie nearly slid in, (laughs) but he just didn't. He just couldn't (laughs) run faster. It was like kind of all happened in front of us in the. There's yeah, slight doubt about which goal, which yeah, goal it was. Yeah, but <laughs> honestly, that second half, I've got kind of rosy tinted memory of that because that second half, Bishop absolutely passed that Man United yeah. team off the park. That, that, that same season, I think we played Bolton at Burnham Park in the last oh. the last game at Burnham Park, yeah. and I was in the press conference afterwards, and um, it was Bishop's two hundredth appearance, I think. And right, I've mentioned to Harry. Have you got anything to say about Ian Bishop, 200th appearance? And he just purred about him. He was, mm-hmm. oh, I had him at Bournemouth and he's been fantastic and um, really underrated player. Yeah, he was. Harry, Harry couldn't speak highly enough of him. Yeah, he was a really he was a really special kind of footballer. He was a sort of very modern footballer. He was, a, you know, good, all the chops, you know, were there. And he was, you know, in, in Europe, he would have... Technically uh, good, yeah. Yeah, he would mm-hmm. have... Um, because it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have David Batty just trying to close him down every second of the game. You know, in, in, in the European game with a little bit more time on the ball, um, he would have really thrived, I think. And you know, he sort of thrived for us. It's sort of unfortunate that that early nineties West Ham, a lot of you know the, the the compilations that you make, Rob, and stuff. It is a great team, but there's just no one up top. There's mm. you know, Euro and Boer, or, or there's Ian Dowie and no one else, or there's. Um, Trevor Morley in the latter part of his career and no one else there's no one you know there's there's either one striker with no help or there's two shit ones or there's just some until um, 
Hartson and Kitson arrive. Yeah. The early 90s is a great team with no one up top. Yeah. I saw the stat the other, the other yeah. day about the last, the last striker, West Ham striker, to get 20 goals in a league goals in a season. Right. Tony Cotty in 87. <sighs> God, that's bad, isn't it? It's in the Real. top flight. So unfortunate. 30 years since a West Ham player got 20 goals in the top flight. Yeah, yeah. That's just... Despite Mike Smalls brilliant <laughs> 14 before Christmas got 15 yeah, league goals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but 13 before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. and also a, a hatful in the cup yeah. as well. Including a hat-trick against Huddersfield. His well, they were just adhering to that that time-honoured West Ham tradition of coming down with the Christmas decorations. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, they yeah, they were kind of fitting in with the... I, I think you're right. Those teams were characterised by not having decent strikes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Moody oh, scored a lot of goals, but Water wasn't quite mm, mm. Uh, at the level you needed. And and Cotty came back, but it was at the tail end of his career, wasn't it? Lee Chapman was another mm, one. Mm. At the same. Yes, that's right. And actually, you're right. Hartson and Kitson, in some respects, was a turning point. It and was. Then, yeah. Then I think we started to well, the youth team started to deliver players which you hadn't mm. done for a long time. Uh, and then we started to buy players like Sinclair, who I wrote yeah. another thing about. You know, Trevor Sinclair was an example to me of a. The, the, us going up a level yeah, you know, yeah, that we were yeah. being better quicker more dynamic players well, he, he made some really you know the, those two buys that that, um, that Harry made that were the, you know, maybe the less kind of marquee signings were just you know I've always fancied that Sinclair guy he's sort of going nowhere at QPR they're in the yes. second flight he's that overhead guy from the yeah, clip yeah, guess yeah. with the dreadlocks I guess yeah. I'm going to get him and also kind of going like Blackburn Rovers they've got you know Henningberg and Colin Hendry but they've got that third bloke who doesn't get a kick because of those two yeah. I'm going to get him and you've got Ian Pierce, who mm. was fucking great yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just like you know it's yeah. just because yeah. he was no, Lomas was uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. overshadowed by the Hearts and Kitson, mm. but that yeah. season Lomas mm. was really, I think, a crucial yes. yeah, yeah. acquisition. A real sort of just box-to-box, hard-working midfielder that the flair players could work around. You know, yeah. scored a lot great, of goals as well. Yeah, he? He good a, player. Yeah. Good player. Goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, got a bit of that sort of... Uh, <sighs> <laughs> bit of that kind of player acquisition well, now we could do. Ian, Ian Bishop was kind enough to send me a message after which was very nice for me to, Great. To, to, to your point he seems like a very nice guy yeah yeah and, yeah. Uh, yeah quite oh what him. a great I mean what a fantastic moment it was when like it was like a wormhole had opened up between generations of West Ham oh, players yeah. at the Mark Noble testimonial <laughs> when Ian Bishop uh crosses for Dean Ashton to kick it's like a hole in the fabric of time and one player from one era crosses perfectly for another player to do an overhead in the style of his goal against Man United it was like that advert that they did wasn't it do you remember when uh, with the Manchester United players yeah yeah Charlton Charlton Charlton, yeah gigs and yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) wasn't there an England team of ex-England players like an advert a bit like that is that one all Man U? I think they are all Man U players. Isn't There's it? one. I think it might have been like a you know. Isn't there one where they're is a Carling pub team? Isn't there where they all go? Yeah. Jack Charlton's in it. Jack Charlton yeah. runs out. In, there's an ad where yes it's like a pub team and Jack yes. Charlton yeah. runs out yeah. it's all yeah. ex-England yes. like George mm. Cohen or something you know, yes. like, you know unlikely connection of yes it is mm. it's a pub team thing yeah yeah get them. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got an international break. Um, yes. um, I'm predicting that we 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 won't lose this weekend. 
<laughs> good, good. Uh, well, that's what that's we've got time for. This is <laughs> quick while we're ahead. Um, so, yes, it's going to be Huddersfield uh, next, isn't it? Is it? Is that yes. So, it's yes. our first home game. Yes, uh, that's bef- yes, that's yes. Yeah. yeah. Monday night, isn't it? Yes. It's Somewhere a Monday night. Yes, yeah, Monday night. Mm. That's nice. I yes. think there were only two home three o'clock kickoffs before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. they're both on the same day. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, what do we think about the Huddersfield game? Oh. They've got off to a sort of decent start this season by not, you know, not having lost all three. Well, <laughs> um, it's it's obviously ridiculously early to talk about a game you have to win, but. Mm. It's a must-win. Well, I think it is a bit of a must-win game, to be honest. Certainly must not lose. Mm. Predictions, Jim? I think we'll win. I think we'll win. Yeah. I think I think I think they'll be. Uh, I think they've got to. They can't. I think. You know, I'm, I'm going, looking on the optimistic side and saying just can't go lower than than that performance at Newcastle. No, We're going to have a better starting eleven. Hopefully, they'll have used this two weeks to get a little bit more sharpness into it. We'll win 2-0. 2-0. Oh, I was going to say that. Um, yeah, like you say, um, I hate to be pessimistic, but it, it really doesn't look great. And obviously they're, they're on, a, on a high after, mm-hmm. was it two wins and a draw? They're on an adventure, aren't they? And, and every game's an adventure for them. Um, but, um, yeah, I can see us. I think it might be tighter than that. I think 1-0. 1-0. James? I'm perhaps unsurprisingly uh, more pessimistic about it. I think it will be a draw. I think it will be a horrible, scrappy one-all um, and we'll gratefully take it because mm. it will be a point. I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. Two one. was the score the last time we played Huddersfield in the top flight. Ooh, oh, do question. you know? You've researched this. What is it? Is it Boxing Day and it's like 8-5 or something? No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's a little less. Would have been that. It would have been that. other oh, with Frank Worthing. It was nineteen seventy-two. Right, that is the sort of Worthing. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. And it was 3-0. 3-0. 3-0 to West Ham. Ah, two for Clyde Best, one for Brian Robson. Oh, what would you give to have those oh, two? Pop, Pop Robson. Pop Robson. Oh, he was good. <laughs> he was good. Blimey, yeah. Pop Robson. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, all right, those are our predictions. This is stop hammer time. Uh, I've got a, a couple of let's do a couple. The, Javier Hernandez, of course, uh, his, uh, South American nickname is the Little P. Manuel um, Lanzini is the Little Jewel. I've done a bit of research. Um, South American nicknames for other teams: um, Winston Reed, the Sulky Horse. His, <laughs> his, uh, I've got friends from South America, and they, they, uh, Mark Noble is the Ford Escort. Um, <laughs> James Collins He's Vauxhall Novar, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. James Collins is the enormous carrot. Uh, Pablo Zabaleta is Babe Two, Pig in the City. Uh, Seems credible. Marlo Anatovic <laughs> is the Angry Soup. <laughs> Interesting. Sam Byram is the the notorious Big featuring Nelly. Uh, uh, Arthur Mesoaco is the Shy Blanket. <laughs> Those are that's. That's what my South American friends have told me. Well, they sound, well, a lot like, sound a lot like the Croatian top ten. As they're well, a bit like the Croatian <laughs> top ten. A lot of the same people supply me with uh, that, that information. I speak very few languages. The language of love, I speak, and uh, English. Um, this has been Stop Hammer Time. With me have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. Rob Banks. Bye-bye. James Cairns. Goodbye. My name's Phil Whelans. See you around. Come on, you irons. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com.
Com. Stop Hammer Time is backed for this season by Ladbrooks. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.